what it says about how we view ourselves and value ourselves as Christians, and particularly how we claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. And last Sunday, we focused on the authority of Jesus. If Jesus says, uh, this is the way, walk in it, and he speaks with authority, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to try to outsmart Jesus? Are you going to try to say, no, he's confused, poor fella, uh, he got it wrong? Or are you going to be real savvy like a lot of people today and say, well, it's a different culture and that applied back then, but it doesn't apply now? You know, what are you going to say? And so how do we deal with the authority of Jesus? We looked at the fact that Jesus is a governing political ruler. It's contractual. There are obligations and burdens that we have. But he's also family and he has spiritual authority and certainly moral authority. So it was really, really special. Um, Want to dig into glory uh, today. And what does it mean to have glory, to pursue it? And uh, I'm, I'm excited about what's about to happen. I need to begin and ask God's favor in prayer. So, Lord, I love you. Thank you so much for each person that's here. Uh, thank you that you create within us clean hearts. You renew our spirits. Um, asking for your favor. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Let's talk about glory. Uh, the key word in the Greek New Testament is doxa. Doxa, okay? And it can be translated as the ability to have an opinion, to make a judgment, to have an estimation of something, to give something value. Uh, it can be excellence, magnificent splendor, brightness, dignity, and oftentimes translated as glory, all right? Glory. It can be used in a positive way, it can be used in a very negative way. It all depends on context. So how about that for glory? This is considered usually one of the greatest paintings of all times and certainly one of the most famous paintings of all times. You know? And for just a moment, a few slides on the glory of human achievement. It's kind of fun to walk through this stuff. Uh, this, this lady is Alexa Kennedy. She is the first black female neurosurgeon in the U.S. How's that for some glory? Graduated in 1981 as a neurosurgeon. Brilliant lady. Brilliant lady. Way cool. Look at this one. Um, this is a machine called the CERN Hadron Collider. It's amazing. People built that. Engineers conceived it and built it. Fascinating. What about this one? Uh, this is a, a shot taken from the new James Webb telescope. All right. Somebody built that telescope. How's that for human achievement and human accomplishment? It is absolutely fascinating. Uh, so this is Mae Britt Moser. She won She's actually a part of a team that won the Nobel Prize regarding the discovery of cells in the brain that constitute a positioning system inside our heads. You know, brilliant lady, amazing. What about this one? Moms. <laughs> you know, here's the deal with dad. You know, they just don't work that hard. Okay, you know, baby, right? I mean, Allison, you appreciate that. In fact, it's probably more fun for them than anything. It's not work. It's not work at all. We all know that. Who are we kidding? 
For the mom, it's work. It's work. It's like nine months worth of work. And when you hold that baby, and like cool talent, how cool is that? Perfect cued up, thank you. We are so on the right same page, talent. Man, mom did that. How cool is that? Look what mom did. And, uh, and when she holds that baby and the, the cooing and all that, it's just amazing. I see glory in that one. How about this? Considered by uh, experts in the field of music, the greatest composer of all time, Bach. Just absolutely fantastic. Um, the people that invented the cell phones and were able to take an operating system and put it inside a single handheld device. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing, right? Yeah. What, what about this one here? Uh, LIDAR, which is a combination of radar and light detecting systems that allow for the possibility of driverless cars. Okay. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> you ready? Augmented reality. It's a thing. Yeah. Can you imagine? It's a thing. Living in an artificial world. Pretty, pretty fascinating. Um, I love this, this image. Editing genes and what is now called CRISPR technology. Okay. Some of you are nodding, you're aware of what's going on. Can you imagine that if someone, if, if a mom is carrying a baby with a serious genetic disorder, that a genetic procedure could be done on that child and the damage that would result in uh, uh, the, the flawed DNA code that could be repaired and avoided. Would you do that? I realize just as an ethical question, we shifted into ethics immediately. But you get the point. This is amazing. Some say, wow, we're playing God. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you mess with DNA, wow, we're playing God. Absolutely. But this is real. This is where technology is going. And then how about this one? Echoskeletal systems. So those who are paraplegic can be assisted to actually function. This lady's going to work. How cool is that? And now, in, re regarding human accomplishment and achievement, this next slide embodies the passion, the intellect, the IQ, the, cor the, the phenomenal cortex. You, you just have to appreciate this. Um, yes, look at that. There's glory all over that picture. That is the one and only Jules. That's the Jules, man. That's Edelman. It's February 2017. And the Patriots, yes, yes. By the way, I'm getting a selfie with you later, okay? Just, just saying, just me, me and Simone. Um, makes the impossible catch, ranked as the greatest catch in NFL history, certainly in a Super Bowl. And the athleticism, no kidding, the, in the back of the brain, the cerebellum, the intelligence it takes to be able to move that way, it's fascinating. Really is. So here's a bunch of stuff about human accomplishments and about uh, uh, human achievement and kind of glory, right? Now, um, I, there's I know, a thousand other pictures that we could have included and, and all that stuff. But that's designed to get you thinking, get you digging in. So, all right. What about the glory of God? 
the glory of God. What about the word awesome? What do you guys think of the word awesome? Is it a special word? Um, is it a sacred word that you use only for God and God things? Or is it a catch-all word that you might use for anything? Like, for example, um, Tammy's baked eggs were awesome. They were so good, you know. And, and yet at the same time, we believe that God is awesome. So we're either lowering God to an egg or we're exalting an egg to divinity. You know, when, you, when you use those words, and you guess. So... Do we, have it, do we have language that's unique and exclusive for God or, or, or do we just kind of throw it all together? What about the glory of God? What about the glory of people? Is it wrong to say that was a phenomenal catch or great meal or wow, four point, that's amazing or you did this and you, thank you and that was really, you did a great job. What about Jesus and his pursuit of glory? Now remember, the whole purpose of Christ's esteem is that we learn to become like Jesus, right? That's what this whole thing's about. How do you become a follower of Jesus in a more deeply uh, intimate way and in a way that is biblically accurate? So here we go. Here's the text. Um, You examine, now Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. You examine the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is those very scriptures that testify about me. And yet you're unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people. I do not receive glory from people. But I know you, that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. I have come in my Father's name. And you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. You know, like if some leading Pharisee from another town comes in, we'd say, oh, Rabbi Finkelstein is here. Oh, Rabbi Finkelstein. Oh, let's get ready. This is amazing. The rabbi's coming, you know, that that kind of stuff. How can you believe when you accept glory from one another and you do not seek the glory of That is from the one and only God. Wow. How can you believe when you accept glory from one another and do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have put your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Wow. Let's dig into it. Ready? A couple things. Verse 41. I do not receive doxa, glory. I don't receive glory from people. Uh, Why? Well, if you pop back to John 2, it says this. Jesus didn't need anybody to bear witness about his character and who he was. In fact, it says because he already knows people. He knows what's in the heart of people. And he knows that people are by default corrupt. And he will not take his heart like a cup and say, would you please fill up my ego? Would you please validate me and make me feel good about me? Hey, I'm Messiah. I know some people are struggling with it. Would you please believe that I'm Messiah, please? 
Validate my, me, please. Validate me. Make me feel good about being the son of God, please. Jesus would not do that. Now, that's stuff we do. We do that. I have a need for that. You know, me and Lisa, my beloved wife, who loves my soul, right? We're driving home. Hey, babe, what'd you think of the teaching? Does it do a good job? You know? Kind of vulnerable, right? And I'm looking for her to say, Chris, what was it about? <laughs> she didn't do that. Isn't that funny? She'd say, it was good. It was so good. Good job. I need that pat on the back. We're human, right? But there's a point in which it crosses a line into something really unhealthy. And Jesus refused to do that. By the way, his ego was so intact, he could say to the, the kids in the youth group, who do people say that I am? He had no problem asking that question. But he knows people. And he knew it was inside of people. And he knew better than to try to make himself feel good about things by seeking a pat on the back from fallen people. He wouldn't do it. Uh, look at this one. I know you, that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. By the way, that is agape. That is that beautiful word. Um, you know, I don't know about you guys, but for me, that may be one of the saddest, top ten saddest verses in the Bible. Right there. People who claim to be religious, who claim to know Scripture, know God, you know, and all that stuff, and they're faithful at the local synagogue. But the love of God is absent from them. That's horrible. That's like really, really bad. You know? That God's love has no place in your heart? How's that for some messed up self-esteem? What about this one? How can you believe, and that is pistuo, the basic word pistis for faith. How can you believe, how can you claim to have faith when you accept glory from each other and don't seek the glory of God from the only God. So can you please appreciate something? If you are seeking glory for people, it cancels out your faith. Please, please deal with the blunt force of that. If you are seeking glory for people, it cancels out your capacity for faith. You can't do both. You can't be a people pleaser and have faith in God. You're locking that one down. You can't be a people pleaser and have faith in God. Those two are not compatible, right? But when you seek the glory of God, all of a sudden, faith comes alive. It's beautiful. Just one more on this text. Uh, but if you do not believe his writings, how you believe me, there you go. Uh, we have got to settle up with Scripture. We've got to settle it up, all right? And if you're like me, one of the very best things that I can do is to see Jesus on every page. Old Testament and New Testament. See him on every page. All right, just a couple more to really deepen this. This is John 7. Um, if anyone is willing, there's a play on words here. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know about the teachings the dedicate, the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I'm speaking of myself. There's a play on words. Um, if anyone is thelo, the lema, anybody willing to do his will, 
You'll get it. You know, there's something about, uh, it's interesting. Paul, write, uh, Paul writes to Titus, Titus 1.15. He says, to the pure, all things are pure. But to the corrupt, everything's corrupt. You know, there's just something about somebody with an obedient heart and a pure heart. They can just spot God. They just, it's, God's will is not a difficult thing to figure out. If you're really following him, it's not that hard. Look at this one. The one who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. That bragging, self-exaltation, uh, certainly over against someone else. John 8, if I, Jesus talking, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me. So he's taking his cup and saying, Dad, it's me and you. Come on, fill it, fill it. What a gift to get that. It's amazing. Um, if I say that I don't know God, I'm going to be a liar. It, it, the word is it, it's pseudo, fake. It's fake. I'm going to be a hypocrite just like you. Just a couple more. But I do know him and I follow his word. Yeah. So real quick, please appreciate this. Um, if you say you know God and don't keep his word, you're a liar. Okay. If you say you know God and don't keep his word, you're a liar. All right. Look at this one. This is uh, just some life application stuff here. Seeking self-glory from people involves dis distortions, corruption on multiple levels. Seeking self-glory is antithetical and cancels out the love of God, cancels out faith when we seek self-glory. Um, self-glory generates an artificial hope. It's fake. Self-glory distorts and corrupts our understanding of God's word. And a willing heart has the ability to know the true teachings of God. Or I could say it, an obedient heart can quickly spot what is pure and holy. Uh, bragging and self-promotion prove self-glory, seeking self-glory. Um, and yet to be given glory from God is an ultimate gift of grace. You ought to read John 17. Wow. What Jesus says about his glory. To claim to know God and yet disobey God, his word proves we're false proclaimers of all that. To know the true nature of God results in keeping his word. So, Okay. There you go. The glory of God, the glory of people, Jesus in his pursuit of glory. We claim to follow him. What are we going to do about glory? What are we going to do about social pressure? Well, here's some summary statements. The Pharisees, here's what they would do. They wanted to be seen by other people. They were all about their core motivation is I'm going to go out and I'm going to get my fancy clothes on and pray big, loud, long prayers so I will be seen. Or when I fast, I'm going to make myself look so miserable. I'm so hungry. Look how I'm struggling in my devotion to God. And they did it on purpose so people can say, oh, wow, he must really be committed. Look how miserable he is. Okay. You do stuff to please your people, please her. To claim to have access to religious doctrine and experience that your enemies do not possess. The Pharisees literally believed they were better than anybody else. They thought a reward on earth 
It's far more important than the reward of heaven. And they would always judge an outward appearance. That was the big thing. You, you judge by an outward appearance. Uh, but inside, you guys are full of dead men's bones. They use religion to manipulate family, friends, community. Really, really intense stuff. So, all right. Let's jump in. You're the church. You're the body of Christ. The spirit of the Lord is inside of you. Counsel. Give wisdom on how we're going to apply this to each other today. So that we become those who seek the glory of God and not those who are caught up seeking self-glory. How are we going to do it? How is it going to function in our real, real time in our lives? Yeah, Lisa. Yes, yeah. So um, an example is going to be what the Pharisees did, okay? Torah says, the law, that you're to take care of your parents, okay? By the way, can I just give you a practical word? Be nice, be nice to your kids. They decide what nursing home you go to. <laughs> All right, so moving on. Um, Torah says, take care of your parents. Right? But you know what Torah also says? That when something is dedicated to God, it goes to God only. Okay? So two teachings out of the law. Take care of your parents, number one. Number two, if it's dedicated to God, it's for God only. So the Pharisees go, uh-huh. What if I dedicate my whole garden to God? What if I dedicate my house to God? What if I dedicate my financial assets to God? Oh! <gasps> I can declare, and here's the buzzword, Lisa, korban. It means it belongs to God. That's what that means. And now I don't have to waste any money on my aging parents. Pharisees did that. Yep. What would be a way today? So you just ask a critical question. What are ways we do that today? Use religion to avoid responsibility. I can't afford that. Can't afford that? Sure. Anything else? What are ways religion can be used to leverage against people today? You're not a believer. Absolutely. I am. You're not. So, yeah. I think it can happen specifically within families, though, because parents can use religion to manipulate their children to do things. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So can we have an ouchy moment together? You're going to feel a slight sting. So in the people that see me on a day-to-day basis, a lot of the most acute abusers of children are religious people. Okay? And here's, Lisa, one way they leverage Scripture is they'll say, because God said you're to honor your mother and father. And at that point... The beating will not stop until I say it stops. Can you imagine doing that to a kid? Leveraging religion, completely distorting the truth and the intent of the teacher to abuse an innocent child. That's a messed up junk. Yeah. That's self-glory. Jay. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm the head of the household. The Bible says I'm an authority. Get in line. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Another example, yeah. It's real. This stuff's real. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're, if, you know, if you have a wrecked self-esteem, excuse me, and a really damaged view of self from whatever, from sin, from rebellion, from a lack of faith, you're not born again, all this stuff, or bad history with, you know, your own childhood, Get a damaged view of self. You're going to do something with it. You're, you're going to compensate somehow. And you're going to try to you know, get a car that makes you look better. Or, or put on clothes that you think make you look better. Do something to compensate for the lack of worth. You're going to do something. And unfortunately, Jay, uh, a lot of us and Christians are not exempt at all from this stuff. We, we take a course of action that's really judgmental and critical, and we actually think we're better than a lot of people. And all kinds of terrible things happen out of that. So, all right, um, David. How about, how about the pastors that say, you're not donating enough, that's why your life is the way it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the tithing, yeah, trump card. Well, you know, God's not going to bless the 90. <laughs> Yeah, that, I think that's so full of manipulation. Thank you. By the way, for those of you who are longtime members of Christ Church, can you count on one time or on one hand the number of times I've hammered anybody here about money? You can't. I, I'll, answer, I'll answer my own question. You can't. I refuse to do that because at that point I'm immediately a Pharisee and I, I will not go there past. Yes. From a parent-child relationship, I'll just speak to my own relationship with my son, I think that there's a spiritual pressure that ties into number five, that your kid should get saved by the time they're 10 or something. Because that's, that's what my, my salvation story is like that. Tons of my friends are like that. Right. And I think it ties into the, to Christ's esteem in a way that we look at Jesus's life and we can see that he was affirmed in a lot of ways. He was also discouraged in a lot of ways, but his glory came later. His glory came with his ah, delayed. He was, yeah, delayed gratification. And so I tie those two things together as a father and as a believer, and I'm reminded that my self-worth cannot come at my son's ability or decision to follow Jesus. In fact, wow. if he never does, do I consider myself a failure as a parent? No, because I am in Christ, and if I believe that I am doing all that I can within reason without using <coughs> religious manipulation, his choice. Yeah. God wants to save him. I'm providing that opportunity. I'm, I'm planting, or I'm, yeah. but but I'm not the one watering necessarily. I'm yeah. like follows. Pastor, there's a whole lot of wisdom in in what you said. You know, um, Jacob just had little talent with him. You know, purest little baby, right? Newborn baby. Is there anything more pure than a newborn baby? You know, and yet. That child is born with a sin nature, just like you. Just like you, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to, I wanna, can I do some confession? Is confession good? Can, I, can, can y'all be my, my, my receivers of my confession? So Wednesday night, we taught on, in James chapter 4, about, about this 
catchword that was used in the early church. And there were certain people, probably outsiders, that would say, you know what? I'm going to go to this city. I'm going to pop in my car. I'm packing it up. I'm going to head to St. Louis because I've got these resources. I can buy everything up in this area. I'm going to go to St. Louis and I'm going to sell it for 10 times what I paid for it. I'm going to make so much money in 2023 in my business ventures in in St. Louis. And James, the brother of Jesus, says, no, you don't say that. What you say is, if the Lord's will, if it's the will of the Lord, I'm going to go here and do this, or I'm going to go there and do that. And so this phrase began to, to to, to surface in the early church, that if we say we're followers of Jesus, we say it, then the will of Jesus is everything. In fact, when he taught us to pray, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or in Greek, let the name of you be holy, and let be done the will of you. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so for us as Christians, when we wake up, and this is the challenge on Wednesday night was, it's like, Lord, what's your will for me? What, what do you want? What do you want me to do? And so here's my confession. I'm setting you up. I get in my car Thursday morning, Tammy. And I'm like, Lord, I got to drive. And I need to be in control. And there are idiots and, and, and there are other people on the road. Lord, Lord help me to drive with your heart attitude. May your will be done in this car, which is on earth. Please. <laughs> it was hard, people. It was hard. And, and, and here's the, really, here's the deep confession. You know what I struggle with sometimes? I'm going to get real with you guys. The love of God inside of my heart. Can I just say sometimes it's hard to love people? Like, really? It's hard. It's hard. And, and, and because of Wednesday night and what I faced Thursday, like, Lord, here's my life. I want to follow your will. You know, your will be done. Your will be done. And something really quickly formed inside of me that if I don't have the love of God settled, I can't settle up with the love of God it makes everything else really difficult. But if I have this default setting that the person in front of me, the person in front of me is going two and a half miles an hour slower than I think they should. (laughs) Why would I get angry at that? Why? For a a 10-second delay. Why would a 10-second delay bring out something ugly inside of me? And it does because the love of God is not fully formed in my heart. That's why. And if I can go there and say, Jesus, help me to see people the way you see people. Help me to value people the way you value people. And all of a sudden, the person in front of me going slightly slower than I think they ought to go, it's a non-issue. It, it's, it's gone. 
I back it off just a little bit. We cruise in and take the exit. All is well. And I am having emotionally bled out, you know, <laughs> half the day because I didn't have control on the heart. Am I making sense? The ability to settle the love of God inside my heart. It's not important. It's everything. It's everything. Okay? All right. Keep going, Christchurch. Just a little bit more. Seeking the glory of God always involves treating people a certain way. It's what Jesus did. Anybody else? Yes. Say this. Think the proper way to say this. Generally as I can, but in the same way, and there's there's some nuance to it because there is agenda pushing and there's sinful lifestyles involved. But in the same way that you just said of someone driving two and a half miles an hour slower than I do doesn't deserve the love of God. Right. Someone who doesn't subscribe to the same belief system that I subscribe to yeah. and doesn't have the same values, doesn't care what my values are, just right. subscribes to a completely different set of values and lives yes. those out. Yes. Yes. It's just as deserving and just as loved by God. Yeah. And as Christians, that person that's going two and a half miles an hour slower than you is going to get off the interstate and never see you again. Right. But that person that you other because they don't subscribe to the Savior that you do, they don't right. believe the same as you. Yeah. Your interactions with them have the potential to do eternal damage. Great harm. Yeah. Just a few words and, yeah. and just a, a look or a Yeah. Yeah, or even a lack of words. Like we yeah. have Which is usually the way it goes. Yeah, just Christians, the ability to say you're like I God is love. God is like Jesus loves right, me. Right, right. But doesn't love you because you're different. Yeah, and Whatever and isn't it being a Pharisee that's it? That's different it. Is. Yes, yes. That's so good, Daniel. I love this phrase. We have no right to be angry because someone sins differently than we do. We have no right to be angry. Yeah, exactly. By the way, is there a coming judgment? Is God going to sort it out? Absolutely. Oh, yes. Yes, it's coming. The great white throne judgment. All will stand before God. Every one of us, yes. Could 43 be a recursion to the false prophet in Revelation? Yes. Yes, thank you. Warning us there. Yep. Yeah. That's Alan. Yeah. Wow. Yep. You nailed it. Yeah. And by the way, when you read the, the, the Gospels, it specifically says that there will be, in fact, the word Christ is used. And it's in John's gospel. There'll be many false Christs who will come. And they'll say, this is it. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. 
And Jesus says, do not accept them. Do not accept that message. Yeah. Yeah. Many false prophets will come in my name. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Here you go, Alan. So let's take it to the conclusion. If we're willing to do his will, we'll spot him. We'll spot him. But if you're not willing to do God's will, there's natural distortions, corruptions, and we'll, we'll drink the Kool-Aid. Linda? You read God's word for yourself. You won't follow Yeah, yeah, just read it. Your four best friends, Linda. Who are your four best friends? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Best friends you'll ever have. Jay? Right. Yeah, so, um, so Jay, um, thank you for asking the obvious. The answer is found in this. There's a difference between my having erect self-esteem and my having erect ego and making your approval of me out to be my kind of savior figure. That's bad. That's what the Pharisees are doing. We're going to kick that one out. Okay. It's good, though, to encourage one another. Like how many times in the scriptures does it say encourage one another, love one another, speak truth and love to one another? So, so yes, we can still encourage, compliment, give the attaboy, girl. We can still do that. And that is literally what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. But the idea of making, uh, having an inferiority complex and making somebody else out to be your, your savior is unacceptable. Yeah, the approval of men. So. All right, anybody else? This has been so good. Yes, David? Speaking of John, at the beginning part of John, John 3, where he, the Pharisees were asking him who, who John was, asking him the question. And John just continually, if he was a person that was not led by the Spirit, he would have said, oh, I'm this, I'm that. But everything, he reverted right back to who he is. He was ahead of, but, he, but the Christ is ahead of him because he was reformed. Yeah. And the last part he said, he must increase, so I must decrease. Yes, yes. And that's the thing, is he put himself behind. He even said he wasn't worthy of the, the sandal strap to untie. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Yeah, that is so good. And that's humility. That's so good. So, all right. At the same um, time, the same yes, time, sir. When he questioned Jesus, why am I baptizing you? Jesus said, because this is what needs to happen. Yeah, yeah. Jesus was himself submitting himself to an authority structure in a way. Yes. By saying this is, this is the will of God that you yeah. do this. Yeah. We follow the proper order of things yeah. in this moment. Yeah. That's so good, Ed. And Ed, I already know you know this. You, you have a great command in Scripture. Later on, John's been in prison, right? And by the way, uh, you get in prison, you stay in prison long enough, discouragement typically sets in, right? And John the baptizer gets discouraged. And he sends some of his friends, you go find Jesus and you ask him, are you the one? Are you really the one? Are, for real? Because I'm not doing well right now and I need a little encouragement. <laughs> yeah. And Jesus responds by really giving John the Baptist kudos when he responds back to the disciples. I mean, he doesn't elevate him above himself, obviously, above God. But, but among but men? And so he affirms who he is. Yeah. And he also affirms who John is yeah. and what his role has been in the life of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's amazing, Patch. Enough that it'll, it'll help John kind of lift his head up. Yeah, it's brilliant, brilliant. So, okay, let's, let's tie it off with this. Um, Andrew, yeah. Andrew, thank you. That was so good. Um, Andrea, I would, uh, I would summarize it this way. Um, the law is good. But Jesus said, you know, you, you tithe of mint and cumin, you know, you force the law out to some, you know, atomistic and little tiny Thing at the end, and you miss that the core value that God is looking for. Can anybody know what's the core value in that context? You keep these rules, but you miss the one thing. What is it? Yes, and the word is, I desire what? Mercy. 
compassion. That's what the heart of God is. Andrew nailed it. And by the way, that's, can we borrow your metaphor? That's the spirit of the biscuit. You know, there it is. You know, it's going to be so good. Um, that's the issue. When you and I can hold truth, uncompromising truth, Daniel, there's no other moral code. We hold on to the truth. Intention with grace and love. Wow. Now we're being like Jesus. A heart of compassion, a heart of love, the love of God fully formed inside of us, but unbending about the truth. You put those two things together and wow, salt of the earth, light of the world. There it is. All right, here we go. Let's tie it off. Um, no one answer. <laughs> no one answer. Do not raise your hand. Okay. Is there a place inside your heart that you're trying to let a human fill inside of you to make you feel good about yourself? Would you consider letting Jesus fill that up? Okay? Would you consider Christ's esteem and not self-esteem? That's what I'm asking. Okay? That if you're looking for a human to accomplish in you what only God can do, I'm simply saying, would you consider letting Jesus Christ be your Lord and Savior and not a human so that you don't turn to appear to somehow save you from yourself, but that you give that to Jesus. That's his job. Okay. Spouses make lousy messiahs. Anybody figure that one out yet? <laughs> Spouses are lousy saviors. Kids, lousy saviors. They don't do it for you either. Parents, lousy saviors. Not going to work. Best friend in the whole world. Not a good savior. Maybe a great friend but not a savior, okay? To seek, to be like Jesus, if this is what we're called to do, then we're going to seek the glory of God and not the glory of people, okay? All right, I think the Holy Spirit's already done his work. I want to pray over you guys. Abba Father, thank you so much for the grace that you've given us and how you look at us absolutely messed up people and we became the object of your love. And that if your love is formed in us, we can see other people as the objects of your love. And we can seek your glory and not live to satisfy the greed and the domination of an ego out of control. Abba, Father, I love you and I thank you. Thank you for this morning and how it's built up our faith. And when we leave this place, God forbid we forget about what's been taught. That we live out the pursuit of you and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.